Acts chapter 11 and verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. From this verse, we learn why Antioch had such, such success in passing along the Word of God and in bringing people to Jesus. It's because the hand of the Lord was with them. And from this verse, we have learned that if we are going to have that same kind of success in spreading the Word of God and bringing others to Christ, then we are going to have to seek the hand of the Lord to be with us. We're going to have to pray. As we look into this year, 2007, a completely and totally new year, what kind of successes do we see in our future? What things do we see us accomplishing? More people teaching, more people talking about the Word, more people praying, more people uh, growing. The reality is, is that without supplication, there is no success. And that all our planning is pointless without prayer. If we are going to have success, if we are going to accomplish anything, the hand of the Lord must be with us. And if the hand of the Lord is going to be with us, we've got to be asking the Lord for His hand to be with us. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, we learn that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when He finished, one of His disciples came up to Him and said, Master, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught His disciples. In this verse, I think there's a subtle lesson and yet a very important lesson. The disciples recognized that if they were going to pray properly, if they were going to pray deeply and meaningfully and effectively, it wasn't going to happen accidentally. They weren't just accidentally going to stumble on proper prayer. They had to be taught. And what we learn from that is, is if we're going to pray properly, we're going to be praying on purpose. And I want us to think about that this morning. Prayer is something that's very important to us at the Franklin Congregation. For our guests, we hope that you can see that in our assemblies. Over the past couple of years, we've increased the number of prayers that we have in any given assembly. We've started having special assemblies that are for prayer. We've made prayer a part of everything we do. Every year when we've had VBS, the Sunday night before it starts, we have a prayer assembly. At the end of last year, kind of getting us ready for this year, we had an assembly that was all about prayer. We want that to be a major part of what we are doing. It's the foundation, seeking God's hand to be with us. And I think it's time for us now to take the next step in our prayer growth. And as I'm talking to you, I want to talk today not just about us as a congregation praying, but about each of us as individuals praying. But we're not just talking about our personal prayer lives. There are a lot of things about your personal, excuse me, about your personal prayer life that we're not going to be talking about today. But I want us to talk about us as individual members being a praying part of this congregation. You ever hear us talk about being a working part of the congregation? We need to be a working part. We need to be actively involved. I want us to talk about us as individual members being a praying part of this congregation. And if we're going to do that, we must pray on purpose. And I want to talk about what all that means this morning. I'll just encourage you. If we can get each of us praying on purpose, being a praying part of this congregation, you watch how that impacts what we accomplish in 2007. Not because we accomplish it, but because the hand of the Lord is with us. Before we look at this, would you bow with me in prayer, please? 
Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, and we are thankful that you have loved us. We're amazed that you have loved us. You are the Creator. It's by your hands that the world is here and that it remains and that it continues on. You're the one that brings the rain and the sunshine. You're the one that causes the cycle of life. You give us the air that we breathe and the food that we eat. And we're amazed that despite all your power and how you're so worthy and we are so unworthy, we're amazed that you sent your Son to die for us. And we are thankful. Father, we ask that you would be with us and strengthen us to turn to you. To cease believing that we can make it on our own in this world to cease believing that we know how this congregation ought to be run, to cease thinking that we have all the wisdom that will make everything successful, but to realize that you alone are wise, that you alone are powerful, and that it's by your hand that we will accomplish anything. Help us, Father, to pray in that way. Help each one of us here to pray on purpose, seeking your hand to be with us. Again, Father, we love you. And we pray all this through your Son, Jesus. Amen. When we talk about praying on purpose, the very first thing that I want you to think about is the fact that we have to purpose to pray. We know 1 Thessalonians 5.17, right? It says, pray without ceasing. And we know that means that prayer needs to be a part of every aspect of our lives. And yet, for so many of us, Prayer is, is that thing that we kind of put off. Because prayer is something we know we should do, but it's not pressing right now. We've always got time to get to that later. It's not pressing like our cell phone that's ringing right now. It's not pressing like that email that just popped up. It's not pressing like that homework assignment our kids have to have done by tomorrow. It's not pressing like our need to have the house cleaned by the time the guests get there on Friday night. It's not pressing like our need to get that project done for our boss by tomorrow morning. There's always time to do that later, and we always intend to get to it. And every once in a while, we actually do get to it. But most of the time, prayer is that thing that we know we're supposed to do, we want to do, and we intend to do, but we just don't get around to very often. The reality is, if we are going to pray, it is not going to happen accidentally. We are not just going to accidentally come across more time in our days allowing us to pray. If we are going to pray, and if we are going to pray consistently, and if we're going to pray effectively, we have to purpose to pray. We have to plan to pray. I want you to think about Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, we see two of the apostles. It says in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the, night, at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. The ninth hour, by the way, is 3 p.m. I have no doubt that when the text says that it was the hour of prayer, it was a reference to a Jewish custom. And yet, what were they doing at 3 o'clock? They were praying. When they woke up that morning, did they know what they were going to be doing at 3 o'clock? They absolutely did. They knew at 3 o'clock, that's the hour of prayer. What else are we going to do? We're going to be praying. We need to have times and circumstances like that. Times that we know, that's, that's when I pray. I know that I'm going to pray at that time. Consider Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, we all know the story. In Daniel chapter 6, 
And verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel had a habit. Three times a day, he was going to pray. Daniel knew what he was going to do at those times. He knew when he was going to do it, and he went and did it even when it became illegal. Here's something amazing. Daniel's co-workers knew what Daniel was going to be doing at those times. Do any of our co-workers know that we pray? Think about our Muslim friends. You know, they have five scheduled prayers a day. Is it any wonder that they look at us as infidels? Do we know when we're going to pray? Do you know when you're going to pray? I know we all intend to. Listen, I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else. This is kind of a New Year's resolution for me. I'm talking to me that I have got to know when I'm going to pray. And schedule it. And not allow things to get in the way of doing that. That may be a time. We may say, 3 o'clock, I'm going to pray. Or it may be, you know what, I've got a 30-minute drive home from work. I'm going to be praying as I'm driving. Which could be dangerous. Be careful. But at least you'd know when. And you'd have a time set in mind, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn the radio off and I'm going to be praying on my way home. Or on my way to work. Think about the number of things that we schedule. And why do we schedule them? We schedule them because they're important to us. Think about this. What's the number one main thing that you schedule? And you make sure not to let anything else get in the way. It lasts for most of us about 40 hours a week. Oh, but Edwin, that's work. We have to do that. Because if I don't work, I don't get any money and I don't eat. Oh, so now I start to find out what's important to us. Got to eat. Got to have stuff. And so I'm not going to let anything get in the way of my scheduled work time. How important is it to have the hand of the Lord with us? You see, that's when we'll schedule prayer time, when it's that important. With our kids, we schedule how many hours a week of school, and of course we make sure to schedule homework time. We're not going to let anything get in the way with that. Certainly not gospel meetings. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. We're going to schedule these things. How many of us make sure that we keep our Monday nights open this time of year? And when Auburn's playing Alabama, or Tennessee's playing Alabama, we're not going to let anything get in the way of that day. See, we schedule things that are important to us. Somebody asks me if we can get together sometime during the week, I'll say, hey, I'm pretty flexible, but on Wednesdays at noon, at lunchtime, I can't get together. I've got a Toastmasters meeting. See, I've got something scheduled because it's important to me. We need to have our prayers scheduled. We need to know when we're going to pray. Purposeful. I recognize, of course, that sometimes things go awry. I understand that things come in on us and it gets in the way. And so at that case, we need to remember Jesus' example in Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, 
In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, it says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I think some translations say he would slip away and pray. We've got to learn that when things are going awry and the crowds are pressing in and so it's messing up our schedule and we had intended to pray at this time, but, but all this was going on, we need to remember that we've got to make time to slip away and pray. And I will make this one final comment on, on purposing to pray. We need to pray. We need to schedule our prayer lines. We need to purpose to pray. But we also need to remember that we ought to be people that know that there are times when I didn't schedule a prayer right now, but it's the right time to pray right now. Someone's called and they've told me about an accident that they've had, or that their their wife or their husband has had, or their child or their parents have had, and and I need to pray with them right now. We need to quit being people who always promise to pray and start being people who pray right then and there. Wouldn't it be great if somebody came forward, instead of us just coming down front and shaking their hand, I'm going to pray for you. What if we just had a huge line that was just there praying with them right then? An announcement is made about somebody going through a struggle time, and instead of hitting them up in the the foyer out there and saying, I'm going to pray for you. What if we just stopped right there and we were just praying with them? It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be verbose. But we need to learn that there are times when prayer is a thing we need to be doing right now, even though this isn't the scheduled time. But overall, with our prayer lives, we've got to learn to purpose to pray. We talk about praying on purpose. The second thing I want you to think about is that we need to pray our purpose. Now that we've scheduled our prayers and we've purposed to pray, what are we going to pray? No doubt you've heard some great outlines. Perhaps you've heard the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. What a great outline for prayer that is. A friend of mine. Has a, has a great outline. He says, you start, in fact, it goes along with our spiritual heritage. Those who've been going through there have seen this outline already. Dear God, you are. Talks about all the things that God is. Dear God, you. And you talk about all the things that God has done. Dear God, thank you. And it's offering thanksgiving for all the things that God has done for you. Dear God, help. Asking petition for God to be with you and, and to help you and others. And I think something that I've added in that could be a part of the petition, but I think is very uh, should be stated very specifically, Dear God, forgive me for, and confessing our sins. Those are great outlines that we should have for our prayers. And, and we need to think about that. Not just, not just sit down and blindly just start rambling, but think about how we can outline those prayers. But once we figure that out, those outlines, what do we need to pray about? Please keep in mind that this sermon is not just about your personal prayer life. There are a whole lot of things I think you should be praying about, but I want us to think right now about what we need to be praying for as members of this congregation to be a praying part of this congregation. And I believe that we need to be praying our purpose. The elders of the congregation, taking a look at the Word of God and what we're supposed to be doing as a congregation, have summed it up in a mission statement for us. What what our purpose as a congregation is, is demonstrated by the Word of God. And you may remember, we have it always on our little slides before the assembly. Our purpose, our mission, based on Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, is to glorify God. That's our job. That's what this church is about. It's about glorifying God. Everything we do is about glorifying God. How often have you prayed that this congregation will glorify God? Ephesians 3, 20-21 says that to Him be glory in the church forever and ever. Have you prayed that for this congregation, that there will be glory to Him in this church? 
What about you as an individual? Have you prayed for yourself that because of you, this congregation would more glorify God? Subordinate to this mission, the things that we know we have to accomplish in order to do this, we recognize that we'll accomplish this mission by, number one, providing a family atmosphere of love and unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do we pray for this love in the congregation? Do we pray for this unity? We could use Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, as a model. There it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We can use that as a model. Praying that we would in fact be the one body. Following the guidance of the one spirit. Resting on the one hope of our calling. Submitting to the one Lord believing and upholding the one faith, proclaiming the one baptism, glorifying and honoring the one God and Father of all. Do you pray that? That we would do that? We need to be praying that. We should purpose to pray that in our prayers for this congregation. We say that we want to nurture and support each member. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 talks about equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Equipping, that's supporting, that's nurturing, that's providing what the members need. Do you pray for that? Do you pray that members will be equipped, that they'll be supported, that they'll be nurtured, that they'll be provided for, provided for, that they'll be lifted up by the work this congregation does? You think about this. If we're going to be praying that every member be supported and nurtured, that means we're going to be praying for every member. I've said it before, but there weren't, some of you weren't here, so I'll remind you. You know, sometimes we sit there and think, we, we think about how long some of those Bible prayers were. Well, I just can't think of all that much. I'll tell you something that will help increase your prayer life. Get out the directory and start praying for the members by name, going through the list. And when you know that there are special needs, ask for those special needs. When you don't know about the special needs, then just ask for the general needs that you know we all have. As we do this, we can follow the principle of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. There it talks about not rebuking an older man, but treating him as a father. And it points out that we're a family. We already said that in our first aspect here, that we want a family atmosphere. So as we're praying, let's pray for the older men as, as we would for our father, and the older women as we would for our mother, for the younger men as we would for brothers, and for the younger women as we would for sisters in all purity. The third thing that we recognize is that we need to grow to spiritual maturity. There in Ephesians chapter 4.13, it talks about until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. I think if we keep reading down in verse 15 and 16, we see two sides of this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by what every joint, excuse me, by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here we recognize that we need to be praying for the congregation itself to mature. But we recognize there's only one way that the congregation itself matures, and that's for every member in the congregation to be maturing. Do you pray for that? 
Do you pray for your brethren to mature and to grow? Do you pray for yourself to mature and to grow? Have you seen brethren that you know an area where they need to mature and grow? Have you prayed for that? Do you see areas where you know the congregation needs to mature and grow? Have you prayed for that? We need to be praying for this to happen. We need to be praying our purpose. Fourth subordinate goal here is to live devout lives of godly influence. Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 14, the Scripture says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Every single one of us here is in the world. And every day we go out into the world and we're surrounded by worldly people. And the devil is out there roaming about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we need to understand this. The devil is trying to overthrow our influence. Have you ever specifically prayed that all these folks here could have an influence on people? I know we pray that we'll be protected from the world, but do we ever pray that we might actually influence them? That they might really see that we are Christians and know what that means and be impacted by our lives. And pray, as we see in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1 through 18, that we're not displaying our spirituality so that we'll be noticed and honored and folks will think we're wonderful, but rather influence men so that they'll be glorifying God. We need to be praying for that to happen. Using our talents faithfully. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has given us gifts, and we need to use them in a way that magnifies and glorifies Him and serves others. Do we pray for that for people? Look at all the people that are surrounding us today, and every single one of them has has unique gifts and talents and abilities that they can use in serving God and in serving one another. Have you ever prayed for them that they would access those and use those to their fullest? We can look at Romans chapter 12. And if you get the outline, I know I've got the wrong verse in there. I said Romans 4, but it's Romans 12 beginning at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is not an exhaustive list, but we could use it as a model, thinking about those who have these gifts. And really, and only one of them is miraculous. The rest of them we still use today. Do you know of somebody who has an ability that they're not using? Have you prayed for them that they would repent and, and use them and grow in them? And this is our purpose. This is our mission, to glorify God by using our talents faithfully. Are we praying for that? And of course, finally, bringing many souls to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28. 
Verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. you pray for that? Lead me to some soul today, we sing. Do you ever pray for that? Lead our brethren to some soul today. We need to pray for folks to spread the word, as Luke 8 and verse 11 talks about sowing the seed, sowing it and planting it. We need to pray that there will be workers in the harvest, as Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38 talks about. We need to pray that God would cause the growth, as 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 talks about. We need to pray that those who are brought into the families that are brought near to Christ continue steadfastly, as Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23 talks about. Do we pray for those things? Or are you beginning to realize that we've just got a lot to pray about? We need to be praying our purpose. If the Lord's... Think about this. If we want to accomplish this, and the Lord's hand has to be with us, then we need to ask His hand to be with these things. If we really believe these are the things we're supposed to be doing, we need to be asking God to help us do them. We need to be praying our purpose. Thirdly, we need a purpose to pray, we need to pray our purpose, and we need to pray purposefully. We've scheduled our prayers. We know as far as our work in the congregation some things we need to pray about. But now while we're praying, what are we going to say? What, what things are we going to ask for? What are we going to pray about? I suggest it's more effective to not wait until that minute that you're about to pray and just start, just start naming off things that come to your mind plan them. Now, when we're talking about our personal prayers, we can have all kinds of lists that we might have, and I encourage you to do that. But remember, I'm talking about what we're going to do as a praying member of this congregation. And instead of just praying for things hit or miss for, for how they come up in our, in our minds, I suggest a plan. And this is my suggestion. You don't have to do it just like this, but I think it's a good model. I think it might help us out as a congregation if we were all doing this. Let's take different days of the week, praying purposely, and let's remember to pray for particular things regarding this congregation. First of all, it's Sunday. We're going to be praying with the saints on Sunday. We use Sunday as the day that, that it's, it's about praising God. And, and as we pray for the church, we're going to be doing it with the saints. But in your personal prayer life, starting on Monday, how about on Mondays we pray for our shepherds? Name them by name. Pray for their wives. Use the lists of qualification in 1 Timothy and Titus to help you know what to pray for them. I'll tell you another good passage is Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 10. Now pray it as a contrast, because Ezekiel 34 is a rebuke of the shepherds of Israel, but it tells us what shepherds are supposed to be doing. And if we pray for those things for our shepherds, you think that God might be with our shepherds? And then on Tuesday, let's pray for our deacons. We've used the list of qualifications in 1 Timothy as a model. We look at Acts chapter 6, and whether or not you see those men as, as officially deacons, we still see things that correspond with deaconing. and We can use those as a model for what we should be praying for. You know, the Bible says that men who serve well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith. Have you ever prayed for deacons that they would obtain that? It says they ought to first be tested, and if they're blameless, then let them serve as deacons. Have you ever... Have you ever prayed for them that they could continue being blameless? Those are supposed to be men of dignity. Have you prayed for them for that? Let's do that. 
on a specific day. Let's just know this is the day when I'm praying regarding our work of the church. And I know there's going to be a lot more things that you're praying for that day. You've got a lot of things that you need to be doing in prayer. But as a praying member of the congregation, why not set aside a day that today is the day I'm going to pray for our deacons. Wesley, would you appreciate that if we had a day that folks were praying for you? On Wednesday, how about praying for evangelism? That means praying for the evangelist that's here. I know I'd appreciate that. You know how I'd feel on Wednesday if I knew that everybody that day was praying for me? Also, the evangelists that we support in other places. Praying for our evangelistic efforts. You know, every Sunday night we have small groups that get together to pray for our guest evangelism, but really we ought to all be doing that. Praying for our guests. Have you ever prayed for our guests? You ever found out who it was if you met them? Or maybe if you didn't, just get a guest card that they, that they filled out and found out who was here and pray for them. Especially the ones that we find out that aren't Christians. Now on Thursday, let's pray for our Bible classes. We have Bible class teachers. Pray for those teachers. Find out who's teaching. And not just teaching your kids, but who's teaching anything. Find out who's teaching all the, the classes. The adult classes included. Kenny, would you appreciate it if you had a day you knew everybody was praying about you? Would it, would it help you any of your class better if you knew everybody had prayed for you that week to do a good job teaching? Pray for them. Pray about our VBS. And the other things that correspond with our classes. Pray for our guests in the classes. If you had a guest in class, pray for them. And then on Friday, how about we take that to be the day that we pray for our brethren? Pull out the directory and pray through that. I could ask everybody, if you knew that there was a day that the majority of folks in the congregation were going to be mentioning you by name in their prayers, you think you'd feel better on that day? Imagine if we were all doing this. And then Saturday, we could take Saturday to be the day that we pray through our mission. And see, now, I don't, I don't bow in prayer tomorrow wondering, what are, okay, okay, I, okay, I need to pray for the elders. Oh, I can't remember their names. Okay, that's, see, there's, there's, there's Phil and there's Ron. And there's, we don't have to do that. We know, this is what I'm going to pray for. You have it written down and you pray for them. And you're not praying for the deacons that day, but you know it's going to be done. And by the end of the week, what prayers we've had, all of us doing that. Now, you don't have to follow this. this is, obviously, there's no Bible verse that says, here's what you pray on a particular day. I'm just trying to get us to think. Maybe you want to do a different schedule. Maybe you prefer to pray for the brethren on Monday because it's the beginning of the week and you think we all need it more. It doesn't matter to me. But have some kind of schedule. Just so you know, on your way out this morning, I've printed up some little cards that you can put in your wallet and in your purse. And on one side it has our mission statement and on the other side it has this schedule. Just as a suggestion. But, but that way you don't have to carry around the sermon outline with you all the time trying to remember what you're supposed to be praying for. You can just look open your wallet and there it is. You've got a couple of the young men that are going to be standing at the back handing those out. If you'd like one, please take it. If you wouldn't like one, please take it anyway and think about it. But wouldn't it be great if we all knew. And what a fellowship and a communion that we would have if we all knew that even though we're not assembled, we all know that today the majority of the congregation is praying for the same thing. And it's just like we're still praying as a congregation even though we're in separate places. Think about doing it.
We need to pray on purpose. That means we need to purpose to pray. We need to be praying our purpose. And we need to pray purposefully. I just want you to think about that. If we could just even get a small number of us doing that. I want all of us to do it. But if we could even just get a small number, 25%, do you think that would impact the congregation? What if we got 50%? 75, 90, 95? Think that would impact the congregation and its work? You know it would. Not because we're doing anything special, but because we're purposefully calling on God to work through us. And when the Lord's hand is with us, that's when we have success. 